chapter 28, Holy Land. A single conversation can change the direction of your life. These unplanned conversations spark a light inside to take larger risks than normally taken. I, for one, did not expect to have this conversation late last summer. Lexington summers are like walking into a sauna fully clothed with no relief of a nearby open water to jump into. A consistent complaint of mine while I lived in the bluegrass. A friend cheerfully once described the humidity as a warm blanket to sink yourself in. She did not have the same curse of sweating profusely no matter the temperature. Yes, somehow, my feet still sweat in the middle of a snowstorm. On this day, it was the same way. The warm, humid blanket, which only a few actually wanted to wrap themselves in, was the weather that was described that day. Hot, sticky wetness. Praise Jesus for air conditioners and coffee shops. KP and I met at a local coffee shop to catch up on life and what the Lord had been doing. I drank iced tea and she, a coffee beverage, as our feet dangle from the tall stools at a high table next to the tinted window. Our conversation jumped around with the theme of Israel popping up from time to time. It's funny, I noted. I just heard a woman speak in Louisville about taking a group to Israel. I keep wondering if I need to go on that trip. Without missing a beat, KP inquired, You're going in November, right? Freaked out. I placed both of my hands on the table and blurted out, Wait, how did you know that the trip was then? With an older sister-like tone, KP smiled and stated, Nate, the Lord kept telling me November, and I guess you need to make that phone call to her. Our conversation dwindled down a bit as we walked into the bluegrass sauna. Let me know what happens, okay? I certainly will, I stated. With the car air conditioner blowing in my face, I left a voicemail on the speaker's phone inquiring about the trip and wanting to sign up. I heard back from her within minutes with a confirmation of me going on the trip. She stated that one of her friends felt like there would be a connection between Lexington and Israel, specifically for this trip. Before receiving my voicemail, she also wondered if I should be going. Confirmation upon confirmation upon confirmation got me to register for this spiritual pilgrimage. I honestly did not know why I was going, but I knew I needed to go. A few short moments later, with my single mustard-colored travel backpack, I landed in the Holy Land. Mayhem could be described about the immigration lines at the airport. Lines actually would be a loose term as the tour groups lumped themselves together trying to get to the front. International groups sung songs to match their religious persuasion. Matching colored t-shirts kept their groups intact. And here I was, elbowing my way past a ratty crowd of older Italian women in order to not get pushed to the back of the line again. After 30 minutes of a claustrophobic anticipation, I made my way through customs and officially onto Israeli soil. Their nation's flag hung ahead 
welcoming visitors in Hebrew and English, stating their greetings for the first-time visitors like myself. Surreal would not adequately describe the emotions I had walking onto the Holy Land. It felt like the first time parents met their newborn after nine months of waiting, or a high school senior waiting for their official acceptance letter to a college. By looking around at the other visitors around me, I knew they felt the same way. Life was about to change. A Hebrew-speaking American picked me up and a few others as we made our way from Tel Aviv to an Airbnb in a town overlooking the Sea of Galilee. By the time we arrived, the sun had already hit itself behind the city skyline. But the others prepared a beautiful feast of kebabs, vegetable dishes, and a few glasses of wine to celebrate our arrival. Brief conversations were made with our excitement filling the air. However, the next 48 hours seemed to have been a blur for several reasons. My joy of stepping into the Middle East for the first time was mashed up with a roommate having difficulty breathing in his sleep. A more diplomatic way of saying, he snores. And Jesus meeting me in a vision on the first two nights. It all felt familiar from the summer I lived with Wade. The summer I thought I had lost my mind. The dark, dusty spiritual field with no refuge from the attacks. A desert with low-laying thorny bushes, explosions from every side as the army of light rose from the underground to begin their attacks. I, a part of the army of light, took an offensive stance against the darkness. We ran towards the hills where the cowards hid themselves in the war zone, and like before, bombs plummeted onto the earth near me with the impact flinging my body into the air. I crashed and slid across the sandy terrain until I completely stopped. This time, my helmet didn't fall off. Internal groans echoed in my body while the war shook the ground. Slowly, I opened my eyes to the other warriors of light dodging the air attacks near them. The darkness did not want us here. We all knew this. And the army of light did not understand how the darkness would want to take a land so fertile and make it dead. But I guess this is how darkness operates. Destruction with no purpose or reason. If anything, only to hinder life from healing the land. I rolled over to my side and I pushed myself out of the sand. I would not end my fight this way. I stretched my back and repositioned my helmet. I grabbed my sword and shield and let out an uncontrollable, earth-shaking warrior cry. My aching body came into full submission to my soul as the others joined along screaming out their largest cries. You're still a part of this, the Holy Spirit reminded me. As each bomb crashed closer and closer to me, I leaped over the craters it made and dashed towards the darkness while crying out to the enemy to let them know I did not fear them. And instantly, the light rushed behind me and swept across the darkened desert and to the hills exposing their camps. Never again would I fall into one of their scare tactics. In the natural world, I squinted my eyes at my cell phone reading 6 a.m. 
quietly, I grabbed my pillow and laid on the outdoor hammock to watch the sunrise. Only 48 hours into this trip, and I knew I would never return home the same. That afternoon, our team split into two vehicles to drive to one of our first destinations. The crisp air matched the dusty hillside as the vehicles zigzagged up Mount Tabor to the Church of Transfiguration. Its architecture matched the Catholic missions I once had to make sugar cube models of in fifth grade. I spray painted the elementary structure gold and used trees from a Lego toy set I had gotten the year before. I did miss those California school days. Our group had an hour or so for prayer and contemplation on the grounds before gathering again. Our fearless prophetic leader led us down a foot trail passing by bushes of golden flowers, haphazardly placed rocks, pine trees, and cacti. The ten of us sat on rocks or against skinny trees as she read the story of Deborah in Judges 4, part of which took place on this mount thousands of years ago. Our reading flowed into worship and prayer. I rarely prayed out loud in the spirit with others around me. I kept the spiritual language for Jesus and I when my words grew too tired to fully express my deepest thoughts. This afternoon, no words I knew of could capture my heart's desire, so I allowed the Spirit to lead me in the prayers. My physical body began to tremble, and subconsciously I prayed for someone to touch my back to let me know I was not alone. A moment later, a dear friend in the group sat down next to me and placed her hand on my back as my emotional and spiritual side broke on the mountainside. I lowered my face into my knees as tears formed small puddles onto my sunglasses. With open hands on my knees, I asked the Lord to guide me to what I needed. In my mind's eye, I transferred to an open vision. Like many times before, I had full armor on, waiting for instructions from the king. A lion appeared, running from behind me and thrusting me onto his back as he ran through the mountainous terrain. My hands held onto his flowing mane and leaned into his torso as our pace steadily increased with leaps across the boulders and dashing underneath the tree limbs. My chest against his back could feel the heavy breathing as we raced through the woods to an unknown destination. I trusted him fully. The breeze seemed to slow down as his giant paws walked over a few more exposed tree roots until we reached the clearing. The lion stopped nudging me to get down and walk with him a few more steps. We walked to the ledge to peer over the city. I could sense the city spiritually slept for months, even years with no lights shining through the households. It felt unsafe. Did we have permission to stare into the city which wasn't ours? Which wasn't the army of light? Let out your warrior cry, directed the lion. With a newfound confidence from his simple command, I grabbed the single pine tree near us, perched myself on the cliff's edge. With one hand holding on and the other outstretched across the city below, I let out the largest scream I could. In unison, the lion screamed as an eagle joined us to let out his own cry. I slowed my cry as I began to laugh how silly we must have looked. 
The lion and the eagle smiled at me. The lion struck me to cry out once again, and so I did. As our cries let out, households began to turn on their lights one by one, waking up to the sounds above. Clouds parted, bringing sunlight to the city for the first time in years. People looked out their windows, smiling as the sun rays danced around them. Amazingly, hidden snakes in their household hissed as they slithered away from the light, exposing the lies the town once believed. The louder I screamed in the supernatural, the harder I prayed in tongues, and the more I cried in the natural. I had found freedom in my warrior cry with the lion. And a proclamation of freedom brings life and hope to others. This I could not deny. An unknown amount of time went by as a few others prayed over me. I humbly received their prayers and complete exhaustion from this time. Hugs were exchanged as we silently made our way back to our vehicles and down to our next destination with lunch in the town of Nazareth. The Lord knew I needed relief and time to process what he has shown me. The next several days, I slowly took in each destination, its history, and my surroundings. It felt gentle, yet still impactful in every way. On our final day, our group stopped at the church of the premacy of Peter on the Sea of Galilee, a possible site of where Jesus appeared to the disciples for the third time after being raised from the dead. Jesus cooked them a fish breakfast. Jesus also singled Peter out by asking him if he loved him three times. In a beautiful way, Jesus used this opportunity to correct Peter and talk to him about his destiny. The gentle sea kept my company as I sat on the rocky shoreline in wonder of what I would have done if Jesus appeared out of nowhere to cook me a simple breakfast. The day's light fog awakened the mysterious wonder I had of Jesus. I never identified having any characteristics of Peter, and yet I often wished I had the zeal of his. The audacity to jump out of the boat and at least try to walk on water. Or defend Jesus maybe a little bit too much by using a sword to cut off someone's ear. I may be more cautious in my approach, a little too often letting others test the water's density before I attempted to get out of the boat myself. In the silence, the Lord reminded me of my own ability to be brave with him. Like shouting from the top of a pine tree, leaning over a mountain ledge to declare freedom to a city below. Without warning, I looked across the water as it transformed into a rainbow flag. I blinked my eyes, and I realized the open vision would not go away. And out of nowhere, Jesus appears standing in the middle of the sea. In a clear, confident voice, he stated, Clean slate, Nate. Jesus' words cause a ripple from him all the way to me at the shoreline. That ripple was white right in the middle of the rainbow flag. And in a moment, the white shot out from either direction from the line across the rest of the sea. There was no rainbow flag left. I nodded my head that I knew what Jesus meant for I had been transformed.